Hey, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. We're happy you spent some time with us, Chip and Zay, one to three on a Monday, reacting to the weekend and to the sort of non-stop stay or go news involving the Texas Longhorns and Zay over the weekend, um, Ryan Watts. Um, announces he is moving on. He will take his talents uh, to pro football. Hopefully, Jake Majors announces he is returning. So the veteran center, three-year starter, will return. Uh, Baron Sorrell is returning. Uh, but this morning... Um, I wrote that A.D. Mitchell will be announcing soon that he will be entering the NFL draft. That is probably not a surprise uh, to many. And Jody Barron hasn't really said what he plans to do, but everyone tells me he's still 70-30 leaving. And Quinn Ewers has not announced yet. Um, that he is returning, but that is the that's the sense by a lot of people close to the program. So, um, yeah, what's up, CB? What's up, Fungo Master? <laughs> whatever that uh, whatever that uh, means, but I know what that means. But appreciate you listening. Appreciate you listening, baby. So, Zay. Um, A.D. Mitchell, I mean, I've said all year, this guy was like a gift from the football gods. He finishes up a second run for a national championship at Georgia, jumps in the transfer portal, transfers to Texas without ever taking a visit, and then the dude is all you could have ever asked for. Big play guy, 50-plus catches, 11 touchdowns, uh, every big moment, more red zone targets than any other receiver on the team. Um, caught a touchdown pass in five straight college football playoff games. Uh, had a chance to catch a pass there in the on the final play of the Sugar Bowl. And that would have been something. And so, you know, A.D. Mitchell, this is a huge loss for Texas. Um you know, Xavier Worthy has already announced he's going to turn pro. Uh, JT Sanders is leaving. So Texas is going to be replacing its top four uh, receivers uh, heading into the 2024 season. Your thoughts? Um, I mean, we kind of saw this coming. That's kind of why we talked about it all year long for this 2023 season. You better make the most of it because a lot of guys would be leaving. And now that the season's over, a lot of guys are leaving. So Adonai Mitchell, I'm right there with you. I mean, what a good get coming from Georgia, two-time national champion, and having him transfer to the University of Texas. Like, you needed all of his 11 touchdowns this season. And I don't think we talk about the touchdown that he had in the Sugar Bowl game just because 
were so busy talking about the one he didn't catch at the end of the game that Quinn Ewers threw. And, yo, that catch where he was in the air, it seemed like he had Jordan-like hang time because he was in the air so long. I don't think Quinn threw that at the right time, and he was still able to come down with it to shrink in the lead a little bit for Washington. And he was making plays like that all year long. I mean, again, I – always say this about him but to be 6-4 and to be just that smooth in his routes and stuff I know it's a very deep wide receiver class in this NFL draft I understand that but he's gonna be a steal for someone like you can't tell me that guys that he'll go higher than guys like Puka Nakua and Puka Nakua he probably would have been rookie of the year if CJ Stroud wasn't out here winning the division for his team so yeah you can fit in to the right spot depending on who drafts you and Adam I Mitchell knows that he's very family just you know very thick with his family and you know loves those guys to where he came back home for his daughters so that means a lot to him and yeah he's just this one year it's been an amazing year for a player of his caliber and yeah wish wish you had him longer you know but I think he's gonna do big time things even though he was here for only one year he's a longhorn for life and yeah I'm not surprised that he's entering the draft one bit yeah, you look at his highlight reel. Um, heck, even from his his one handed grab in the spring game, he kind of announced his um, arrival um, in that spring game, and then against Alabama, the two fourth quarter touchdown receptions, the thirty nine yarder, the seven yarder. Um, blowing kisses to the Alabama fans whose hearts he stabbed in the national championship game um, in 2021 when he caught the 40-yarder over um, a defender. It was an unbelievable catch to give Georgia the lead, the go-ahead touchdown midway through the fourth quarter. The um, the um, you know touchdown he caught against Ohio state with 57 seconds left the game winner in the semifinal last year, and then almost pulled off the game winner in, you know, the Texas Washington game. Like I said, if that's a back shoulder ball, instead of a high, high point fade ball, um, you know, he comes down with it. I, I, there's not a doubt in my mind. And the third and 12th, from their own 13 against TCU where they had a 26-6 lead and now they're clinging to a 29-26 lead with two minutes left, third and 12 from their own 13. And Quinn Ewers throws a 35-yard fade and A.D. Mitchell comes down with it and that allows Texas to run out the clock. So every big moment, it seemed, they turned to A.D. Mitchell. Again, he had 18 end zone targets this year, more than the, the next closest was half that. Um, and and so the guy just came through at every turn. And what a easy guy. He just fit right into the locker room. He didn't try to Bigfoot anyone. He wasn't trying to – he wasn't a me, me, me guy. Hell, in interviews. You wanted him to talk more in interviews. He's a very, you know, he just gives you kind of the bare minimum. We know he's funny. We know he's a big personality. Hell, his dad was a stand-up comedian on Def Jam Comedy. 
Um, he was just everything you could ask for. That's what I'm saying. Like somebody on the code of text line, 512-222-9328, is trying to clown me for giving him the lifetime Longhorn title. If you don't think Adai Mitchell's a lifetime Longhorn and he doesn't have, I guess, I don't know, every time he comes back to Austin and every time he goes and eats at a restaurant, somebody's going to pay for his meal if they notice him. You've lost your rabid-ass mind for all the things that you just said, Chip. Like, he came in, wasn't a me guy. All he did was produce, and it showed that he loved playing at Texas. Like, he was talking about before the season how this team had a chance to get to the college football playoff and potentially win a national championship. He bought in to Steve Sarkeesian's culture that Sark's been building for the last three years. So, hell freaking yeah, and I mentioned a lifetime Longhorn. If you don't think so in one year, then, hey, it is what it is. Kevin Durant was here for six freaking months. Is he a lifetime Longhorn? Get the hell out of my face. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm just saying that's ignorant to say. Like, look what the dude did. Look what he provided. The Texas wouldn't be in this situation if it wasn't for Adonai Mitchell. They'd be in the Alamo Bowl again. If that. If that. So, yeah, that dude's a lifetime Longhorn. Absolutely. I might throw that around. Hey, say what you want about that. But Adonai Mitchell, every Texas fan that comes, uh, you know, within his graces needs to shake his hand and tell him thank you. Because that one year that he had, 2023, very special. And now when he goes off to the NFL and when he does, you know, the – Sunday night Carrie Underwood game where all those guys say, oh, they say their name, then they say their school. I think he's going to say Texas before Georgia. He might say both, but he's damn sure going to say Texas. So, hey, that dude, he had a lot of pride coming there. And he's a Houston kid, Chip. He's a Houston kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, he understood what the front of the jersey meant all season long. Yeah, man, get out of here. Y'all tripping. Y'all trying to get my blood going today. I feel you. I'll play you. Keep it coming, though. 512-222-9328. I appreciate you guys. All of you. Adnan Mitchell is a lifetime longhorn. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jalen Ford has just made it official. Um, he tweeted at uh, 106 that he is moving on. So, Jalen Ford, you can add Jalen Ford to the list of uh, – of stay or go guys who are going and I misspoke. Texas will lose its top five pass catchers from last year because Jonathan Brooks um, was number five and he is moving on to uh, enter his name in the NFL draft. So, um, you know, it's funny Zay, because I was, you know, I've been talking to guys who are like, why would Quinn come back? when he's got to break in a whole new receiving core and his stock is plenty high. Um, so, you know, this is the, this is going to be interesting um, because look, you got Matthew Golden coming in. You've got John Tate cook. You got Ryan Wingo, who everyone says is a freak. And a guy who might be able to catch on quickly like Xavier Worthy did. Xavier Worthy's best year from a yardage standpoint and touchdowns was his freshman year. That's right. He he never reached uh those numbers again, but he you know he defenses started to uh adjust to him. Uh his life got a lot better this year with 
with Adonai Mitchell in the receiving core, but he still didn't still didn't get to a thousand yards. Um, but this is going to be fascinating because uh, Quinn Ewers, you know, and obviously he's been in practice with Jonte Cook and DeAndre Moore and Ryan Niblett and all these guys, but um, yeah. It's a lot of production that is walking out the door from a pass receiving standpoint. Yeah. And I don't really think Quinn Ewers has many options. I mean, I don't, he's not the guy or at least the type of guy, in my opinion, to transfer. So I don't think really a lot of GMs are going to be making that call like, oh, this Quinn Ewers guy, we got to get him on our roster. I think if he'll enter, he'll get drafted, but he'll be a second and third round day to where next season in 2025, the quarterback class is not going to be as thick. You know, even if you're bringing in guys like Jonte Cook and Matthew Golden from U of H, and we know Ryan Wingo, as you said, he has a lot of hype, and I expect Ryan Nibbler and DeAndre Moore to get a lot of love next season, too. All those guys are very unproven at Texas, but I think when yours, that's his best shot. I mean, he'll get better. He'll get more mature. He's seen more defensive looks. And if he could have a good season with those wide receivers that we just named and all the ones that you just lost, then, hey, that's going to turn a lot of heads in the NFL, and you'll probably potentially be a first-round pick. So, yeah, I think Quinn Ewer still his best option is coming back, whether, you know, Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell, Jonathan Brooks, JT Sanders, Jordan Linton, they all gone, man. That that hurts. That hurts, man. That's a ton of production. And all those guys, leadership too. I mean, Sark, this might be one of Sark's toughest jobs as a head coach, even going back to USC and Washington when he had less talent coming into his first year in the SEC. So, hey, it's Texas. It shouldn't really be rebuild. It should just be regroup. And we'll see if the Horns could do it. But, yeah, you just got to salute all those guys that put their name in the draft right now. I mean, you worked hard to get to the college football playoff. Some guys, you got to strike while the iron's hot. I know some people are still questioning, oh, Jonathan Brooks, why would he do this? Because of his, you know, ACL injury should come back and rehab and stuff. No, Jonathan Brooks, especially what the value is for running back, it's best for him to go to the NFL because unlike wide receiver and quarterback, the running back class isn't as thick. So he's capitalizing on that right now and taking advantage of that as he should. But yeah, Xavier Wordy, JT Sanders, Adonai Mitchell, like they've done enough these last three years and or Adonai this last one year. And yeah, now it's time to go. That's what you want when you get to the college football playoff and have the success that this 2023 team did. And that's how you bring in more recruits and more transfer portal guys because they see the development from the coaches. They see the results from winning games and having over 10 win seasons and beating high quality teams that allows you to get drafted. And yeah, that's what you want at this point, you know, for Texas football that we haven't seen in the last decade and some change. Yeah, keep an eye on Bryson Rogers, too, the receiver from Ohio State, who is visiting Alabama. I think he's visiting Texas this upcoming weekend. And he's a, a redshirt freshman who um, has gotten a lot of buzz because uh, he's a, he's just like – he's got blazing speed and – he uh, 
Yeah, he, he said Will Howard ain't it, too, because that Ohio State's wide receiver you right now with Olave and Harrison Jr. and, you know, Garrett Wilson and the list goes on. That's weird. That's very weird. So the only thing I can think of is this dude, Will Howard, I don't know if he's an Ohio State guy. He might be cool for Kansas State and Colin Klein's system, but now Colin Klein's off the college station and Will Howard's out here talking about we got to be Michigan and shit. That sounds gravy, but I don't know if Will Howard's the dude. <laughs> like if I'm a receiver and I'm looking at Will Howard, I'm like, ah, all right, sure, I guess, but that's you're a long way out. I know Kyle McCord didn't give him as much as they would have hoped of, but yeah, you're a long way out from Justin Fields and CJ Stroud. Yeah, Bryson Rogers, six foot two, um, 185 pounds. He's he's got uh, you know, from what I'm hearing, awesome, you know, catch radius, great speed. He's from Florida. Um, and so Wiregrass Ranch, Florida, Zephyr Hills, Florida. So just keep an eye on uh on that one because he's uh he's a name I've heard that I think Texas is very keyed in on as a potential uh transfer portal addition to the offense. And look, you got you got Ryan Wingo, you got Freddie Dubose coming in, you got Parker Livingstone coming in, and the next Shipley. The next Shipley. Yeah. The tall Shipley. He is he's tall, six, huh? He's six foot four. Okay. Um can can run. He can run. Don't don't sleep on him. And he but, country as hell. I've been seeing this fit oh, yeah. out there with the cowboy hats and stuff. Yeah, Shipley country as hell too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Chris Jackson said, you know, he is born and bred Texas. He is. Yep. Gonna be all about our culture. Yep. And everyone's like, can that white boy run and catch? That's what we need to know. <laughs> That's what and I'm saying. That white boy run and catch. That's why I always fear you. I've said it with you multiple times. When a white boy that's a receiver signs with Texas, there's a different pressure on the dude. It's just it. Jordan Shipley set the bar so high. He's the greatest wide receiver to ever put on the burnt orange, and he's Caucasian. It's amazing. It's of all the brothers that have lined up and pointed at that ref before the snap. All the brothers. We got a white boy. That's the best receiver ever. So every time a white boy comes in, the first thought that Texas fans have is he going to be the next Shipley. That's what it is. Oh boy, that I don't even remember his name. That transferred to USC. What's his name? Jake Smith. Jake Smith couldn't handle it. Jake Smith had that's what they were saying about Jake. They were like, oh, Jake got this speed. He could be the next Shipley. Even Shipley's brother had to deal with it. It was worse for him. I don't even I can't even remember his first name right now. Jackson. Jackson. It was rough for him because they were like, dog, we you good and all, but you supposed to be like bro. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, Jackson, it was tough. Feel bad for him. So, Parker Livingstone, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it very soon. Once you touch down on the campus, what is that, next week? 
once you touch down on the campus, you're just going to have it and you ain't going to be able to help it. You ain't going to be able to stop it. Embrace it as much as you can. Work hard. Try to be your own man. But, oh, yeah, man, Jordan Shipley, that's special. That's a special dude. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, look, when A.D. Mitchell left Georgia, everyone was like, oh, man, Georgia. They lost Todd Munkin to the Ravens. They lost Stetson Bennett to being 26 years old. They lost <laughs> Carson, you know, well, then Carson Beck rolled in, new receivers rolled in, and Georgia was right there. So that's going to be the, the ultimate challenge for Texas because you've got most of your offensive line coming back with Jake Major saying he's coming back. You got four of your five starters. I think there's a lot of excitement about Cam Williams at the tackle position. And then, you know, defensive line-wise, Alfred Collins saying he's coming back with Vernon Broughton is a big deal. Baron Sorrell saying he's coming back is a big deal because I think you've got some guys who are coming. You know, Colin Simmons could be – he could be special as a freshman. He could be – Ant Hill type special. And if you can have those guys up front who can stop the run and you got some pass rush help coming in, then that that certainly helps your defense because you're going to be starting over at safety. I mean, outside of Michael Taft, Jaron Thompson's moving on, Keaton Crawford's in the portal. Um, you've got Andrew McCuba coming in from Clemson and you've got Derek Williams, who I think is going to be just fine. And and I like the corner situation. They just got to get all tied together and connected. And that that's, you know, Jade Barron, he accepted his senior bowl invitation. I don't know what, um, you know, I know he's talking things over, but I still had sources saying he's still 70, 30 gone. So I'm like, Okay, well, that's interesting because he had a tough year. I mean, he he did not have the year he wanted, and some of his worst games were at the end. So, um, look, I think Jody Barron's going to be fine. He's a smart guy; he knows what he's looking at, and and that. But um, yeah, as of today, trying to replace all that receiving or pass catching talent i should say because jt sanders is in there jonathan brooks is in there he was they were both among the top five that's that's a lot but they've been recruiting like crazy at that position so next man up let's see i've heard great things about ryan niblet let's see what ryan niblet's got deandre moore they think he's a, a slot receiver they also think ryan niblet's a slot receiver so Let's see. Let's see what we got. Ryan Wingo's an outside receiver. And, you know, Matt Golden's an outside receiver. Matt Golden will probably walk in as the replacement for A.D. Mitchell. Who knows what Bryson Rogers has? Hell, Texas might might be just fine at the at the pass catch in position. We know Gunnar Helm is going to be the, you know, tight end one. Yeah, which is huge. Which- which is huge. And there was a weird thing over the weekend where Juan Davis showed up in the portal and then he disappeared from the portal. And the way that John, or excuse me, 
Jeff Banks, the tight ends coach, was talking to me about Juan Davis down at the Sugar Bowl. They're like, this guy has maybe the best hands on the team. So if JT Sanders is moving on, there is no reason for Juan Davis to be moving on. This is this is his chance. This is going to be his chance to show what he can do. He's ahead of, you know, Spencer Shannon and Will Randall, the two young guys they recruited. They're excited about Jordan Washington, the incoming tight end. But Gunnar Helm is, he is your do-it-all guy. He can, he can block. He, he's a better blocker than JT Sanders. He can, and he can catch. Now he's not going to run away from people, but. They, they should be okay at tight end is what I'm trying to say. That's the long-winded way of saying I think they're going to be okay at tight end. I mean, they got lucky. Everyone except, I mean, JT had the ankle and he missed, you know, like a game and a half. But should have missed more than that, Red River shootout. But Gunnar Helm, he he stayed healthy and he, he showed up. He's productive. So. Yeah. Yeah, you forgot to mention on the defensive side, incoming transfer from UTSA, Trey Moore. On the yeah. Air. You know, I think he can mix it up a little bit, too, to go along with Colin Simmons coming in. As you mentioned, Baron Sorrell and Alfred Collins coming back. So, Ethan Burke, I haven't heard anything from him, but I'm assuming he's coming back just because he can't enter the draft. But, again, this is a dude that's from Westlake High School. I feel like he wants to – stay at Texas, but yeah, there's going to be a lot more of um, a transition going into 2024. That's why I repeat saying this might be Steve Sarkeesian's toughest task because, again, you're going to the SEC. You're riding in on a ton of momentum, so everybody's expecting you. I'm already seeing, like, way too early rankings come out and Texas is top four. Somebody had them at two seen them top five so everybody's expecting this to be another 10-win team when we saw the schedule come out a couple of weeks ago i saw nine and three that's just me just thinking all the overhaul that's happening now i'm still seeing nine and three i do feel a lot better about it since then due to Guys like Andrew Makuba and, like I mentioned, Trey Moore and, you know, all the signings that you're getting. But still, like, a lot of those guys, Jalen Ford, that's tough to replace, man. Like, just his IQ, his leadership. We know Jerondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, that's tough to replace. I mean, I also feel good about the defensive backs. I think Terrence Brooks, you know, he shows flashes of being a really good corner, but he also shows flashes of just being a little immature in certain situations. You know, I know Malik Muhammad, he had a really good freshman year. I think he's only going to get better from that, along with the guys coming in, like Xavier Filsamy and Kobe Black. I think it's going to be good for them to, you know, get a taste early as an early enrollee. But, yeah, you know, just we knew this was going to happen. You know, we were kind of bracing ourselves for it all year long. That's why we kept talking about this 2023 team to just capitalize on every opportunity. And I think they did as frustrating as the Washington loss was and just knowing all the plays that you wish Texas could have back from Jaden Blue and C.J. Baxter fumbling to Quinn, you know, not throwing the back shoulder on the last play or freaking Sark and Jeff Banks sitting 
dadgum uh, Keelan Robinson out there with a club hand on kickoff return, stuff like that. It's still a very successful season, and you're one of the top four teams in the nation. So you got to love what you did. I saw Sark at the basketball game, which we'll get to the basketball team, unfortunately. And during the right call, stay tuned for that, y'all, around 245. Unfortunately, I have to talk about that shit. But, you know, seeing Sark and L'Oreal at the game, you could, you could tell Sark was – that, that loss still hurts, man. Like, I, I'm glad he's out showing his face and stuff, but you could just tell, like, when they showed him, it was like, oh, Sarge, it, it, it still hurts because those opportunities don't come around very often to get that close and not fully get over the hump. And it's tough to swallow, but at the end of the day, you know, you've put yourself in a situation to where guys want to come to Texas again. You heard Xavier Filson me talk about it. If you're from Texas, you shouldn't want to put on that burnt orange. It is, you know, it is what it is. It's the state school. The resources are there. Now you're winning again. You trust that Stark and the development's going to be there. Oh, you can't say that they're not putting guys in the league because, again, look what the 2023 team is doing. All these guys entering the draft about to get drafted. Like, everything's going in the right direction. So as tough as next season's going to be, I think they got – still a lot of guys that could surprise a lot of people. What is this? Juan Davis. Ha ha. Don't be laughing at Juan Davis. Let's give him a chance. I want to see what, uh, see what he's all about. He's been in the pipeline for, for three years. He's got to be, I mean, he catches the ball like unbelievably, like Jeff Banks was telling me all the one-handed catches the guys made in practice all year i'm not i'm not laughing you stand shit like that man why do coaches do that man dude don't get no clock all year long but he's at practice antonio gates you know what i'm saying like i i mean i guess you have to talk positive about these guys to keep them around in a way but if if, I, if i'm hearing all that why ain't he playing why, why ain't he playing more? Why ain't he getting more looks? Can he get a little sugar? Can he get yeah, a little? Yeah, I'm saying. Let the boy get a little bit. Can he get a, a little? little bit. I know it's tough. You know, JT Sanders and Gunnar Helm, they do their thing. But, yeah, Ike, we got to go out at Iverson on a practice. We talking about practice. Hey, that's where it starts, Ike. That's where it starts. Nah, man. That's where you start to show what you can do. Nah, I mean. Man. Like, that's, are, that's what Steve, you sound like CC right now, man. CC always get on my mind. Like, come on, CC, we put in all the hours. It's it's game time. Yeah, I'm struggling in practice today, but in the game, I'll be ready. You know, <laughs> come on, coach. Like, I just took I just took a test. I just took an exam. It was two or three hours. You want me to come out here and shoot 300 shots? Come on, man. Y'all talking crazy? Come on. Let's let's wait to the game, baby. I'll show my shit there. Come on, man. Come on, man. Talking about practice. Um, yeah, here's a good uh this is a good call. C B is on fire today. Remember John Harris? Dude was nothing but a practice body, and then all of a sudden he got in. I want to say 2017 and went for a thousand yards, was playing with the Eagles for a minute. So yeah, sometimes. They just need an opportunity. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, ask Ali Gordon about an opportunity. Know what I'm saying? Ali Gordon, the way that it was going for Oklahoma State, getting blown out by South Alabama and stuff, if he didn't go to Mike Gundy and be like, yo, Mike, 
What the hell are we doing? I'm one of the best running backs in the nation. Give me the ball. And Mike was like, oh, uh, okay, I guess so. And look what happened. Dope Walker Award winner. Even though I would have given it to Jonathan Brooks, but I'm a little bit biased. Still, he won the Dope Walker Award. Like, like you said, Chip, just got to give a person the opportunity. Opportunity. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the way Sarkeesian recruits, the way this staff recruits, they're not – Sarkeesian knows what he's looking at. Like, he added Xavier Worthy to that first signing class, and the dude went out there and set all the freshman receiving records. Like, Sark knows how to evaluate guys who can get open in his offense. So – I don't I don't have any doubt about these receivers fighting it out and who whoever ends up on the field being a difference maker and and then you got Quinn Ewers throwing it to you, a guy who's you know got three going on his third year in the Sarkeesian offense. Watch tonight's game and see how much that experience matters because I've been thinking Michigan. Michigan's just gonna run it down there. No, they're not. I, I don't care how good <laughs> I don't care how good Michigan's pass defense is. Michigan struggled to get to 20 points against Alabama. Now, I'm just saying, if JJ McCarthy was all that and the running game was all that, then they would have scored more than 20 in regulation. And I just I woke up today absolutely feeling like Michael Penix is going to do it again, and I'll take Washington. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take, take Washington. Washington. Yeah, Durag Penix ain't playing no games. You know, again, seeing it in person, it changes you. What I saw that Monday, last Monday, shit, man. Texas Surgeon. was there. I Assassin. saw Surgeon putting on the money, you know, just – not, not even face, just straight up, just looking around. Oh, here come Byron Murphy. Excuse me. Oh, here come Ethan Burke. Sorry. Then just still being able to keep his eyes up the field and just throw darts, man. Like I'm <laughs> like Michigan, they better have something because that dude. And then I saw Dame Lillard, uh, you know, the Bucks Dame Lillard. He's giving those guys shoes and stuff before the game because they're an Adidas team and Dame Lillard's the head honcho Adidas basketball. And I'm just like, oh, man, yeah, they're they're locked in. They're, they're locked in. You could just tell Kalen DeBoer, which, again, I'm going to keep saluting Kalen DeBoer because I did question him coming from D2 ranks or whatever he was at, you know, Sioux Falls. D2. Yeah, it was D2. Okay. Winning all those championships and stuff. And I was like, all right, but this ain't D2. See, Sarkeesian's been here before. This and that. Kalen DeBoer said, Zay, that don't mean shit. My team, they're going to be ready. My coaches, they're going to be ready. Ryan Grubb was dialing it up. And, yeah, that's what you saw in the Sugar Bowl. So, sorry, Kalen. I'm sorry I doubted you. I damn sure don't want Jimmy Jimmy Harbaugh with his cheating ass to win. I always be an asterisk on that championship if Michigan gets the dub tonight. And obviously the team that beat Texas, I'd rather them win anyway. So, yeah, I might be a little biased, but also just the way Penix is playing and no Michael Irvin. He does not look like Michael Vick. 
Michael, are you on the crack cocaine again, bruh? Like they're they're left-handed, but they don't play alike, dog. They don't play alike. Instead of Michael Penix dodging and throwing up the field, Michael Vick would have dodged and taken off. Michael well, Vick did have a hell of an arm, but that was a weird comparison. I don't know where it came from, but sure. If you want to say they're both black and left-handed, that's the only comparison I got there. Other than that, no. But Michael Penix, yeah, he's an assassin himself. Well, and the craziest rumor I've heard in the last week is that if Harbaugh leaves for the NFL, Kalen DeBoer would be Michigan's top target. So just put that in your back pocket as you're watching this game tonight because, you know, I'm, I'm listening to Adam Schefter who went to Michigan and is as plugged into the NFL world as there is. The fact that Harbaugh hired Don Yee as his agent and Don Yee is like big time NFL agent makes everyone suspect that Jim Harbaugh could be coaching his last game on a on the Michigan sideline tonight and then heading off to coach the Chargers with Justin Herbert and whatever they got on their roster. And would Kalen DeBoer with nine six-year seniors moving on Move on. I mean, you're going to the Big Ten. Do you want to be at the number one school in the Big Ten, or do you want to try to recruit to Seattle against, you know, you're going to try and convince California kids to play half their games in the middle of the country? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'd leave. Sorry. That paper's different. Yeah, I'd leave in a heartbeat. Penix is gone. All those guys are gone. Take your crew with you, Kalen DeBoer. Get that paper and have some big-time success in Ann Arbor. Yeah, that's sometimes it's just the right time. That's no knock on Seattle, but everything you just named is a little bit more difficult. Those Michael Penix guys, they don't come around very often. So that receiver core doesn't come around very often. They did a good job of in in a way inheriting those guys they develop yes but this is only year two you know you got you got michael Penix in because you're his coordinator at iu but some of those other guys they've been there for a little bit and you did a good job of keeping them so yeah i that would that would make sense man that would really make sense i wouldn't knock them for it whatsoever you know and as far as hardball goes i don't know that Justin Herbert, yeah, that's good. Los Angeles is fun, but I don't know about that one. Yeah, I mean, if uh, and this is this is what every Michigan fan is convincing themselves of as to how this game goes because they saw the the running lanes were there for Texas, and that Michigan will will be more belligerent, stubborn. If they see running lane opportunities, they're going to take them. I'm fascinated to see if that is indeed the case, if they're able um, to keep Penix 
off the field because there were three games this year where Washington had a sizable time of possession disadvantage um, against Utah, against Oregon, and they still won because when they had to make big plays in the passing game, they made them. Even if it was a one-minute drive or a two-minute drive, they got the points they needed. I just I just don't think Penix – I think he's on a different level. And they're a timely defense too, Chip. Like Muhammad, he can make plays back there. You saw Braylon Trice punching out balls for fumbles in the Sugar Bowl. They've been doing shit like that all year long. You know, like the stats might not show it, but timely plays – Their defense will make them big fourth down stops. They'll do it. Get a big interception, the swing momentum, or punch out for a fumble. They'll do it. So I wouldn't be shocked if they force a couple of uh, turnovers tonight one bit. Because, again, like they might get gutted sometimes, but then all of a sudden they'll just make a big play to put the ball in Pinnock's hands. And again, with that offense, with the momentum swung like that, that offense, they just ride it and continue putting up points. So, yeah, I I hope it's a good game. That's all I want tonight. I just want to watch a good game. I think it will be. Um, CB asked, is Dwayne Aquina coming from Arizona with Johnny Nansen? I think Dwayne Aquina is probably going to get a strong consideration for the Arizona defensive coordinator position um, because Winnie Keen is really good. I I mean, that, that would be a great hire, but I just think that he's probably going to get a, a good look at the uh, defensive coordinator position at Arizona. So Akina is the man. I mean, oh, yeah. when, Texas, when Texas was DBU, it was Dwayne Aquino. Yeah. He was the one coaching Aaron Ross, Michael Griffin, um, Earl Thomas. Uh, Aquino is uh, – he's big time. So, um, And if you're just tuning in, Jalen Ford has announced that he is moving on, that he will indeed um, go to the Senior Bowl and begin his – his pro career. So a lot to digest from the weekend. Again, um, Baron Sorrell says he's coming back. Ryan Watts says he's leaving. Jake Majors says he's coming back. Jalen Ford says he's leaving. Um, I reported this morning, A.D. Mitchell expected to announce soon that he'll be entering the NFL draft. But um, Jonathan Brooks has declared uh, for the NFL draft. JT Sanders is moving on to the NFL. Jaron Thompson, Keaton Crawford, two safeties who got a lot of run, are in the portal. And so is Trill Carter, which tells me that Texas is probably – they probably like their position – for Jamari Caldwell, who is the Houston uh, defensive tackle. There was rumblings that Jamari might stay at Houston if the defensive staff, if his position coach stayed, but he's still 
taking visits. So um, Jamari Caldwell is someone Texas has had their eye on as a uh, portal target. And so keeping an eye on that one as well. We'll talk to our man, uh, Hank, Hank Murphy tomorrow, get the latest on all of that. And of course, Isaiah Nair has committed to Nebraska and Jalen Catalan has committed to UNLV. University of Texas, Las Vegas. The University of Texas, Las Vegas. <laughs> but they got him and Casey Kane, right? Yeah. 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 Brennan Marion. Marion, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Brennan uh, Marion. I see what you're doing over there. I, I understand your game. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Brennan's a – he's got that personality, man. He can recruit. And, of course, Alfred Collins staying. Big news that Alfred Collins is staying because I think that gives the Texas – I mean, obviously, Anthony Hill, Leonga LaFau – the interesting thing is we talk about Jalen Ford moving on is that in talking to Jeff Choate before he, you know, remember he coached the team through the bowl game. So he was there um, for the sugar bowl and asked him about, okay, who's the middle linebacker next year. And he said, I could see it being a rotation of, Anthony Hill and Leonga LaFau. And he said he called Leonga LaFau an elite pass dropper. He said this dude has radar in his zone drops that is like beyond. He said it's unbelievable. Here we, go again. Here we go again. Why are he playing then? What do we do? What, do, what does that mean? Well, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, yeah. That, that's elite. If you're elite at anything, you need at 10 snaps at least. Hell, Jalen Ford played the whole game, Red River shootout. I love David Bender. I love Anthony Hill. But if we got a guy that's elite at something like that, why isn't he touching the field? Like, that, that's, that's wild. Like, what? All right. Continue. I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, and then, you know, we're still, still waiting on, uh, on David Benda to, to, cause David Benda can play middle. So if you want Ant Hill to have that flexibility to move around, then, you know, Benda who can play anywhere, Leonga LaFau, who is really a middle. And then you've got, you know, Darren Gallette, who can play outside linebacker. You've got Anthony Hill, who can play anywhere and is not a great pass dropper yet, but give him time because he wants to be great. So I don't ever doubt guys who want to be great from improving and becoming, you know, special at whatever they want to be special at. But you know, Jalen Ford was a – he was the connector between the front and back of the defense, and that part, after having all that experience, that part is going to be interesting to see who can step into that vocal role because Anthony Hill got a lot 
in his freshman year and made a lot of plays. Maybe he's ready. He could be. He is an alpha. Full yeah. Shot. Yeah. Anthony Hill, what a freshman year. I mean, again, every time he hits somebody, you heard it. You know, like his hits were as hard as anybody, probably the hardest hitter on this team. And as a freshman, that says a lot, you know. So, yeah, there's things that he did as a freshman, too, that just came with a lack of experience. I remember the Wyoming game where he wasn't in this gap and they gave up that, like, 60-something yard run. And, you know, just a couple of times he missed his assignment. But if Anthony Hill knows exactly where to go and knows exactly what to do, he's going to be an impact player like we saw mostly of the season. So, yeah, I expect him to kind of take over over that leadership role, even if David Bentham comes back. I think Ant Hill, like you said, him just being the alpha guy that he is, I think he wants that responsibility. He wants to be the guy that's the leader on the defense and make his mark on every play and every game. So, yeah, it's only been year one. Let's see what he is in year two, and hopefully he has guys around him that can help him be productive. Yeah, this uh... – from Rex St. Charles, Dwayne Aquino, great DB coach, but his stint as defensive coordinator under Mac was average at best. Yes, yes, it was. Uh, Larry McDuff, that was when Mac brought in Greg Robinson <laughs> to be an analyst, and Greg Robinson ultimately took over the defense. RIP Greg Robinson, by the way. But Aquina, you cannot doubt, one of the best defensive backs coaches in the last 20 years in the college game. Fantastic. I mean, love Dwayne Aquina. I think all the DBs who played under Dwayne Aquina swear by him. So this is an interesting question here from, uh, from Shaq. Where does Jelani McDonald play with all the safeties we've recruited and brought in? He can play nickel or he can play safety. And I, I think it's going to be an interesting battle at nickel because you've got Jalen Gilbo, who's a little undersized. And then you've got Jelani McDonald, who's six foot two and thick, like, but can move. Like I'm fascinated by Jelani McDonald. So if that's going to be uh, a competition, I mean, Austin Jordan is in there too. Austin Jordan is a Denton Ryan product. He is a warrior. I like Austin Jordan. He just needs time and a position. He's working it at nickel too. So that's going to be a hell of a position battle in the spring. I will, I will say that. Yeah, in 2022, before he injured his ankle, Jalen Gilbo was good. Like him and Jade Barron, they were both really productive out there. Then when Jalen Gilbo got hurt and missed a few games, I want to say he probably missed the rest of the season. Whenever he got hurt with that ankle, it became Jade Barron's role, and he took it over and ran with it. And we haven't really seen Jalen Gilbo, you know, get back to that point. I thought against Houston, he was pretty solid too. The game that they were nervous to not play Jolly Barron and they end up mucking that up and Jolly Barron played and end up making the play of the game at the very end. But yeah, I, I still have a lot of faith in Jalen Gilbo. I don't think he was quite 
a hundred percent. Not necessarily. He probably was physically, but I don't know if he was there mentally where he was like, okay, I'm confident enough to be as good as I was before I got hurt. I think coming into this year in 2024, given the opportunity and just having another year healthy, I think Jalen Gilbo could surprise a lot of people. And if Barron were to leave, I think he could step into that star spot and, be good for the horns, but yeah, just kind of like you want every position to be iron sharpens iron. You want it to be a competition battle, you know, even Quinn Ewers, we know it's his job, but Hey, it's okay. That Arch Manning's breathing down your neck a little bit. You know, that breath might be hot too. Hey, it is what it is. Don't mess up. That's all I like. That's what it is. Like, don't mess up. Don't have bad games. You don't have bad games. You ain't got nothing to worry about. So that's what it is for everybody. Like that's sports. That's life. You know what I'm saying? Like you mess up in any job, you will get replaced slash fired. So it just kind of, it is what it is. It comes with the territory, but yeah, I I think, I think Jalen Gilbo, there's something about the Port Arthur native that I really like, man, even though he's undersized, uh, he's tough. He's tough. I think he needs that opportunity. And if he gets that, I think he can make the best of it. Yeah. I think that's going to be a really uh, and Warren Roberson, like I cannot tell you how many guys have told me about Warren Roberson at corner. So throw him in the in the battle because Roberson is a just an athletic and tough, loves contact. I'm I'm really eager to see some of these dudes battle it out because I I really like Terrence Brooks. I really like um, Malik Muhammad. I think Malik Muhammad is walk in day one boundary corner like i'll be amazed but look if someone beats him out okay that means they're really good because malik muhammad malik muhammad let me make sure i'm saying this right but yeah malik muhammad had the second highest pass coverage grade on the team believe it or not like one tenth of a point behind jaron thompson and Malik Muhammad had solid grades across the board. Like he was one of the, one of the highest rated, um, you know, defensive players period uh, with an overall grade of 78.5 from PFF uh, pro football focus and a grade of 70 or higher is considered above average. So Malik Muhammad was, you know, he and Gavin Holmes, believe it or not, right there in terms of their their overall play and i don't know what i mean gavin holmes has he has eligibility remaining i see what he's about at the slot spot i don't know if he wants to play that or if he's ever played the start position but garden those inside receivers he looks like a guy that has the quickness to maybe do that. Now, does he have the mechanics and just the technique to do it? That's to be determined, but I don't know. That's somebody that with this thick secondary room, you might want to look at if you're having questions at the star spot because he could be a bit undersized on the outside, you know, dealing with those bigger wide receivers. And, yeah, going back to Manny Muhammad. That touchdown that Jalen Polk had where Manny dove and basically tipped it and Jalen Polk 
tipped it and then caught it in the end zone. Like a lot of receivers probably don't make that catch. Jalen Polk's a Sunday guy, so he makes that catch. You know what I'm saying? That's good D. Like that's I don't know what else you want Malik Muhammad to be. Obviously, you want him to actually deflect it, but he was right there. And he wasn't out of position very often all season long. So we knew just the rumblings around campus before the season started, how much he was giving these other cornerbacks a run for their money for position. And being a kid from South Oak Cliff High School winning the state championship there, I knew he was going to come in fearless. Come on, man. You grew up in Oak Cliff. Come on. Come on. You, you grew up in Oak Cliff. You've seen some shit. That's kind of like when them little badass kids and boys in the hood are like, I want to go see a dead body. Like, that's one of those moments. Malik Muhammad might have had those moments. I don't know. I'm speculating. But we're talking about Oak Cliff, Dallas, Texas here. The dude probably seen some shit. So he going to come into Texas like, oh, man, this ain't, this ain't scary. This is fun. Playing against the best, this is fun. This is what I do. This is what I live for. And it's in his blood. Why? Because his cousin, Kinfolk, playing in the national championship tonight, and he probably going to get drafted. So those dudes, man, they're cut from a different cloth. And I love stories like that when you got family, brothers, cousins, whatever, that also play at a high level because you know it's all about business. You know what I'm saying? They were raised right. They were around the right coaches, et cetera. So Malik Muhammad, yeah, I – I'd find it very just it very far out if somebody came in and tried to take any of his playing time. It seems like Terrence Brooks, Terrence Brooks gonna be looking over his shoulder a little bit, you know, which hey makes sense. Malik Muhammad, not so much. He'll be tested, but he ain't be he won't be looking over his shoulder like Terrence Brooks or Gavin Holmes, some of those other guys. All right, now you're gonna call me a homer, okay? But my man, Sam Laporta with the Lions. Yes. Six foot three. They list him at six foot three, 245 pounds. Just set the rookie tight end uh, touchdown record in the NFL. Like that's JT Sanders. That's his measuring stick now. Interesting. And JT is 6'3", 245. I mean, they're like mirror images of each other. And I'm just saying, Laporta blocks his ass off. So they ain't no mirror of each other now. Yeah. <laughs> if he blocks his ass off. I love JT. He means well, but he whiffed on a lot these last two years. He also made some big-time blocks, too. Let's give him that. He made some big-time blocks. One comes to mind, that Quinn Ewers touchdown run against Baylor. JT Sanders, if it wasn't for his blocks, Quinn Ewers would have been tackled probably around the 15 instead of taking it into the end zone. But, yeah, we all know that's what JT is going to have to improve on. That's what these scouts are going to look at and say, uh, does he fit in our system? If he don't block, then how can we use him? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean – in a way, Kyle Pitts got Arthur Smith fired. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could say Arthur Smith didn't use Kyle Pitts enough, which he didn't. He also didn't use B. John Robinson enough. He kind of digged his own grave there, dug his own grave, excuse me. But, you know, 
like there's some big time tight ends that have been drafted as of late that aren't getting utilized like they should. Then you look at guys like Jake Ferguson and Sam Laporta who haven't played too long in the league and they're out here getting numbers. So we all know a lot of it depends on who drafts you, you know, who that quarterback is. So hopefully somebody could draft JT Sanders. That's going to utilize him the right way and understand what he does very well and put him in that spot to do that very well over and over again. So he could have a good career. Like we think he's going to have. Yeah. He, he leaves as the all-time receptions leader among tight ends with 99 catches one ahead of David Thomas, who of course was a four-year player. JT did it in three years. One, um, we had a comment earlier about Trey Moore, the the transfer from UTSA pass rusher who's coming in. And in my conversations with, uh, with people who've watched Trey Moore at UTSA, they said, look at his production against teams that aren't very good. And look at his production against teams like Tennessee and Texas. And so here from the 2023 season, Trey Moore had three sacks against Texas state three and a half sacks against UAB, one and a half sacks against Florida Atlantic and three sacks against East Carolina and two sacks against Rice. Zero sacks, only one tackle against Tulane. Um, Four tackles against Tennessee, no no sacks. Um, So... And then in 2022, when they played Texas, he he had two and a half sacks against Florida International, one sack against Middle Tennessee, no sacks against Texas, uh, and a half sack against Houston, who was ranked in 2022. So, look, the guy's got, pass rush ability because even getting 14 and a half sacks in a single season at that level is legit. It's going to be interesting to see how he deals with going up a notch into the power five and look, you're playing against Michigan next year. You're playing against Georgia. You you're in the sec. So just thought I'd share that. I know people are going to be like, what? I'm like, I'm just telling you, go look at the numbers, go look at his games and where a bunch of those sacks came from and does his talent translate to the next level. So that's all I'm saying. Yeah. And you got to understand, like he probably wasn't around big time heavy hitters for his teammates at UTSA. So when you play against those, you know, power five. Well, I guess we got to say power four now since the Pac-12 no longer exists. Uh, power four conference teams, they're going to focus on the main player on the other side. And Trey Moore was that guy. So when you're the main guy and you're that focused to, okay, we can't let this guy bum rush us and we got to stop him from causing havoc. It's different 
than when you're at University of Texas and there's multiple guys that can muck the game up to where you can maybe get free and make some big time plays. So I think he'll be around a lot more better players, obviously, which is going to help him out because he won't be the main focus from game to game. So yeah, those stats, they aren't the best, you know, a little worrisome, but I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt. And when teams game plan for you, the way that the opposing teams probably did for him, you're going to see those numbers from time to time yeah let's uh let me give you some some love for apple leasing new year how about a new car um and how about a car that you're leasing from apple leasing so you're not paying for the future trade-in value of that car you're getting into a better car than you thought you could afford and it's brand new you're not buying a used car you're not buying someone else's used problems you're getting into a brand new car you're picking everything interior exterior you're getting that new car smell and you're not paying for the future trade-in value of that car so they don't care what car you pick they're just going to get it for you whatever you want you name the make and model they're going to go get it for you it's like having a car concierge and then if you decide two three years into the lease you want to change make and model of car no problem the easy lease that's what they call it everything's easy about apple leasing Get into the car you really want to be driving. And, you know, you lease from a dealership. They're going to lock you in to that make and model of car. It's so simple. 346-9977, appleleasing.com. Tell them Chip Brown sent you. Um, and our good friends at Brain Vault. Look, the new year, you got some new sports going off. And whether your athlete is a flag football player, lacrosse player, a cheerleader, Brain Vault, proven patented mouth guard to reduce the effects of concussion. And it's the, it's the mouth guard that Bijan Robinson wears, top of the line college football players. It's going to protect your athlete as well. And if you're the coach or the team mom, they do group fittings. They'll come to you. Just set up an appointment at brainvault.com. And audiovisual consultations, my man, Tom McKay, making it so simple for you. I want you to have that man cave or the big screen of your dreams. He's going to bring you the best price on the best big screen. You don't have to do anything, but call 255-8678. And Tom and his crew will bring everything to you from the Free consultation to installation. All you got to do is call 255-8678. And guess what, kids? Today's Monday, all night happy hour at Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. I know a bunch of y'all went to New Orleans, had great, you know, barbecue shrimp. Well, guess what? The New Orleans barbecue shrimp is on the beginnings menu at Salt Traders, and you're getting $5 off during happy hour, which means you're eating like a king or queen for fast food prices and you're eating high-end seafood all night happy hour tonight at salt traders you got the location at zilker and in round rock and of course cover three cover three the ultimate place to watch your favorite team like you want to watch the national championship game tonight get to cover three and inhale some of those Parmesan fries, the Sean Adams prime rib sandwich, 
That's what I'm talking about. What's your gut right now, Zay, about who wins tonight? Um, Washington. Yeah. Why? I just think Michael Penix is untouchable right now. Even if you get pressure on him, I know Alabama got pressure. Excuse me, Michigan got pressure on Alabama. Seven sacks on Jalen Milrow, five in the first half, but. Man, the way that Penix is able just to keep his eyes up that field and dodge, you know, different blitzes and just different pass rush lanes. And, again, Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, Westover. <laughs> you got to worry about Westover, man. That dude was a problem against the Horns. You know, it's just too much. Now, Dylan Johnson not being 100%, that does worry me a little bit, but – I think they give the ball to Rodgers, and he could do a little bit with it just because Michael Penix isn't that big of a groove. So, obviously, we know Michigan, what they want to do, keep the ball out of Penix's hands and run the football to do so. But, yeah, man, it's just Washington playing on another level right now. And if they don't have mistakes, kind of like they did in the Horns game from the muff punt to roughing Jordan Wellington on the punt also late in the fourth quarter, I think they're going to be just fine. Well, how about we do this? We have a $50 cover three gift card that we can give away. And why don't we have a um, pick the winner tonight? And score. Okay. And the closest wins the $50 cover three gift card. All right. Put and it out now. Don't do it tomorrow, obviously. Right. So you got to – we got timestamps here on the yeah. on the YouTube um, comments and on the, the Coda text line, 512-222-9328. Give us your winner. And the score and the closest will get a $50 gift card to cover three. How about that? I like it. That's uh, it's a little something for you. So let's see those, those score predictions for tonight's game. Michigan, Washington, who you got? The line is Michigan minus five and a half. It's gone up, say. Oh. It opened at four. That's what I'm saying. Dylan Johnson, how injured is he? <laughs> and Jack Westover has a calf injury. Does he really? Dylan Johnson's got a foot injury and a knee injury. I mean, wow. I mean, are they trying to tie Michael Penix one hand behind his back? See if he can pull this thing off. I don't know. I wouldn't put it past them, man. I'm telling I you. I wouldn't man. either. As long as as long as Roma Dunze's playing, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan. Yeah. Man, this dude, Michael Penix, after the Sugar Bowl game, he was shouting out the homies in the pen. He was shouting out the lost homies. He was shouting out his hood in Tampa, Florida, and stuff like that. I'm like, oh. Tampa took. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, this dude is cut from a different cloth, man. While wearing the do rag, 
nonetheless. Stu's cut from a different cloth, man. He is. Used to be a runner. Now, precision passer. That's say six years is six years. That's a long time playing college football. But you, I want to see some type of growth. You know what I'm saying? All those leg injuries that you had, okay. You realize, I can't, I can't do this no more. I can't run like this no more. I can't play like this no more. I know that's what the scouts are going to say when they're going over his whole list on pros and cons. They're going to say, ah, these injuries, they scare us a little bit. But, I mean, are you saying the same thing about, you know, guys like Joe Burrow? You know, like, come on now. Joe Burrow's been hurt a lot during his NFL career. But you still take him top five. So you take that risk. For that production, man. Like Michael Pennis, he's gonna be a steal somewhere. That's just I'm telling you. Seeing that ball fly through the air, man. First play, like second play, what was it? Where uh Jalen Polk just toasted Terrence Brooks and then shook the hell out of Jaron Thompson. Yeah. That was what the third second play. play. Second play. See that 77 ball yards. I looked at that thing. I'm over there like, oh my gosh, that is so pretty. And sure enough. This Jalen Pope right on the money. Ah, juking dudes. <laughs> Good luck, Michigan. Like that. I don't know what Vegas is trying to do. I don't know what they're trying to do. But if Michigan wins tonight, hey, I don't want to say they deserve it because sign stealing. Remember that. But still, it's here's very- the thing. And and uh, if you're just tuning in, we're gonna do a fifty dollar cover three gift card giveaway. Um, you, you know, put your, uh, score prediction for tonight's national championship game in the comments on the YouTube channel <clears throat> and on the Coda text line, 512-222-9328. And as long as your prediction is in before kickoff you're in you're in the you're in the you're in the mix for the $50 gift card to cover three um hopefully we can scroll through these comments all the way back otherwise we need to be writing them all down but we got you yeah i think we can when it ends we got you be able to or bk bk will figure it out he's got it yeah bk bk is the man yeah he's just kidding bk i mean you are the man but we'll try to, we'll try to uh, stay on top of it as well. Um, so, by the way, early, it's it's mixed. It's it's like half and half right now. So this is this is good. That means it should be a good game. But here's the thing about Penix. I just think this guy is operating on FM and everyone else is on AM. I mean, he is what he did to Texas's defense. Woo. And for Texas to still have a chance to win it at the end. Man. But Michigan, the thing about Michigan is they made their special teams were terrible against Alabama. Awful. Awful. Like that happens again tonight. And that's Texas. They turned it over twice, and it killed them. Third quarter, whoo, 
Washington had the ball 12 minutes, 39 seconds of the 15. That was the longest quarter in Texas football history. Everyone's like, can we get the offense on the field in the third quarter? And people watched that game and the line still going up for Michigan. I'm like, man, Michael Penix has no respect. That's what I'm saying. Like, they're – they still got a lot to play for. Like, they've been doing this underdog mentality all year long. And <laughs> Jonathan said, I'm petty like Zay. Go blue. Yeah, just because they beat Texas, now you want them to lose. See, I'm the opposite, Jonathan. Like, I want the team that beat Texas to go on and win the national championship. But I, I get what you're doing there. Uh, yeah, I that underdog mentality stuff, if you believe in it, then – I could take you a long way. And Kalen DeBoer, that's all the bulletin board material you need. Like, again, you're an undefeated team. You're undefeated all year long. Vegas says that Oregon's going to beat you by nine points. And you go and beat them. Now people are picking Texas to win. You beat them. Now people are picking Michigan to win. So it's nothing. This ain't uncharted territory or anything. You're very comfortable being in this spot if you're the Huskies. So yeah, I I got you dubbed tonight. You know, that's just Michael Penix, man. And again, Braylon Trice needs more credit too. That defense, Muhammad, the tackle that's Polynesian, we can't pronounce his name. Like they, even though they can be vulnerable, they'll make the plays at the right moment. They're doing it all year long. You know, they'll keep it close when they need to keep it close. Don't make that interception. You know, they're they were blitzing Quinn Ewers like crazy. That offensive line for Texas was in shambles in that Sugar Bowl last week. Like, they were just missing assignments. Guys were running loose. DJ Campbell looking around. Christian Jones, false starts. Just like a team in Texas that I was very comfortable in the offensive line to handle their business, and they didn't. So I think this Washington team, they could surprise you. And if Michigan doesn't bring it, it's going to be a double-digit game, in my opinion, with high, how pow- with how high-powered that offense is. Yeah, and the low-scoring games that Washington played in this year were in bad weather. Right. Like the Oregon State game, the Washington State game. So in the comfortable confines of NRG Stadium, we saw him in a controlled environment in the Superdome. Look pretty good. Just pretty, saying. Pretty good. Look yeah. pretty good. Just saying. Yo, speaking right. of NRG, man, shout out to the Houston Texans, man. Shout out to the Houston Texans, D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud. Well done, fellas. Well done. You got crazy Stephen A. Smith saying, ain't no black coach should ever go to Houston after they did Lovey Smith and uh, my man year before. They got rid of those dudes two years. Emika Ryan said, nah, man, hold my beer. Y'all, y'all, y'all relax. You just got to get the right guys to buy in. Shout and also all the Texans fans that were hand on Lovey Smith, y'all owe him an apology. Oh, black Santa Claus, y'all need to say sorry to him because all I heard was Lovey Smith's an effing idiot. Damn him, he should have been fired for winning that game against the Colts in 2022 and allowing the Texans to get the second pick instead of number one. Hey, 
a lot of these Carolina Panther fans are already out on the Bryce Young thing, which is unfair to him. Like, let's give a guy a little bit of time. I mean, Shory Aikman went one for 11 and Peyton Manning threw like 27 interceptions his first year. So let's give some guys grace here. But still, C.J. Stroud, yeah, he looks like that dude. 20, what, 23 touchdowns, five interceptions, breaking records, one of the biggest touchdown to interception ratios we've ever seen. Like, that's so impressive, man. Like, that's what the Texans did this year winning that division. And the Jaguars, they coughed it up. Like, Texas fans, you should be happy that wide receiver coach Chris Jackson's there because those wide receivers this season for Jaguar, for uh, Jacksonville, they ain't live up with Calvin Ridley, by the way. They definitely didn't live up to what they did in 2022. So if you don't think coaching's a big deal – uh, to hell it ain't, it is. It's a very big deal from everybody. So, yeah, man, shout out to the Texans. They deserve that AFC South, and they got the Browns coming into town, NRG, next week, or this week coming up, Sunday, I think. And it's going to be a good matchup. That's going to be a good matchup because the Browns beat the hell out of them a couple of weeks ago, and Amari Cooper broke some records in that ass whooping, like 200 and something, 60 yards through the air. They better find out where number two is. But, yeah, C.J. Stroud, it seems like every time he takes the snap, he's going to give you a chance to win. I like that dude, man. He's he's shown me a lot because I didn't know about him. That whole Ohio State curse, like that kind of come muck with you a little bit. Ohio State quarterback curse. It's just like, all right, CJ Stroud, are you going to be the next one to just underachieve when you get to that next level? And again, it's only been one year, but to win the division, you're going to win rookie of the year. You got a first year head coach, and now you win your division and you're in the playoffs. And in the way, the AFC is kind of wide open. Like, Baltimore is probably picked to win it. They won it all, but still, it's Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. He hasn't proven anything in the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes and them boys, they don't look as good, which I get not playing Patrick Mahomes this week, Chip, but with how bad they've been, you want some type of chemistry and some type of just flow going into the playoffs. You're just trusting Patrick Mahomes at this point. Miami didn't look good yesterday. Buffalo's look good as of late, but it's still wide open in the AFC. NFC, too. Wide yeah. open. Wide open. This is one of the most – I have no idea who's going to win the Super Bowl. No idea. Cowboys have a good shot. Like, I have zero idea of who's going to win it. Well, I mean, the Ravens, I think you still have to – say are the favorites but um to yours and my credit you and i both picked the texans in our picks and we both won we both went two and one in our picks you had the you had the texans and the chiefs you had the chiefs plus three and a half they won. You had the Dolphins plus two and a half, and they lost. I had Detroit minus three and a half. They won and covered. Texans covered. And my stupid 
pick of the week was the Commanders to cover the 13. <laughs> that was, oh, man. I told you that was a bad pick. I said, do not follow that pick. But my other picks were Saints minus three and Vegas minus three. Those were nice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Arthur Smith, happy Black Monday, dog. Him and Ron Rivera, happy Black Monday. Both of those coaches got the boot. And Arthur Smith, like, I – well, how about how that, about first of all, how about the ending of that game? That's where, where I was getting to. Yes, thank you, Chip. I'm just they're supposed to take the victory formation, and Jameis Winston overrules <laughs> Dennis Allen, and they run it in for a touchdown. They look like they're gonna do the victory formation, and then they run it in for a touchdown. And Arthur Smith runs over to Dennis Allen's like, what the bleep was that? And Dennis Allen's like, I told him to take a knee. And, like, what does that say about Dennis Allen, his command and control of that team? Zero. Like, do you do you fire Jameis Winston immediately? Oh, yeah. You get rid of his toxic ass. Yes. Yeah. And Dennis Allen is like, dude, I told you to take a knee. That's so classless, Jameis Winston. That's just – when you're in victory formation – that's bad. If, if they were just like running the play, normal formation, power eye, wishbone, whatever, cool. But victory formation, and then you run it in, that's wild. And you're already up by 20-something? That's wild, Jameis. And look, I it's the NFL, whatever, but yeah, Jameis Winston, you deserve to – because, again, you're showing up your coach too. You're, you're showing up your coach. And do I think Arthur Smith should have said something? No, Arthur Smith, you don't have any right to say anything. It's your fault that you went seven and ten three straight years, and you're not utilizing Bijan Robinson. The fact that Bijan Robinson broke like the total yardage record for rookies in Atlanta, I don't know how he did that. That just shows how freaking good he is because he barely got the ball all year. Like I, that just shows how great Bijan Robinson is because he barely got the pill all season long and Arthur Smith, him and that Tyler Algier, just trying to give him too much love. Like that's what cost him his job. You know what I'm saying? And they should have stuck with, I know people are going to say I'm a homer cause I love Taylor Heineke and yeah, I do, but it, you know, it's more of a joking thing on the, on the real Desmond Ritter should have been on the bench a long time ago. If you were to play Taylor Heineke way more games than Desmond Ritter and you're trying to do this Desmond Ritter experience, if, it, if it's worth your job, Arthur Smith, then fine. Like, that's why you got hit with Black Monday. If that's worth your job, because the locker room knows who the guy should be. And they that team don't play hard when Desmond Ritter's out there. They don't, because they don't have confidence in Desmond Ritter. You know what I'm saying? They don't have much confidence in Taylor Heineke, but... Yeah, that Desmond Ritter thing, it's been two years. They need to give up on it. He ain't it. He's a backup at best. He ain't it. Not, not, maybe he might have a Geno Smith resurrection in his career later on, but that's very rare. Those Geno Smiths, very rare stories. And look at that. Geno ain't in the playoffs this year. So Arthur Smith deserves everything he got. And now Atlanta, they got to start back at the drawing board. 
All right. Well, listen, if you're playing along in our our uh, cover three gift card competition by naming the giving us your prediction for tonight's national championship game, you only get one entry. You don't get to pick both sides. My man, Sam submitted a pick for Michigan and then he submitted a pick for Washington. <laughs> Love you. But your first, oh, your first entry is your only entry. Yeah, so we're, we're, yeah. We can't be having people submitting ten different predictions. You get one. That's funny. Just saying. Um, yeah. So give us your score, your winner, and the person who is the closest will win the fifty dollars cover three gift card. All right. Um, let's get to the chip shot. And, um, look, I want to, I just want to kind of recap all the, the staying and going that occurred over the weekend for the Longhorns before my man Zay takes us to Longhorns basketball. Um, but you got Jonathan Brooks now headed to the NFL, Jatavian Sanders, um, Byron Murphy headed to the NFL. You've got Jaron Thompson, Keaton Crawford, Trill Carter in the portal. Um, Baron Sorrell is staying. Ryan Watts is leaving. Jake Majors is returning. Jalen Ford is leaving. And I reported earlier today that A.D. Mitchell is expected to announce he will leave and enter his name in the NFL draft. And um, Jalen Ford announced his formal decision on his social media during our show. And, and so Texas losing its top five pass catchers from the 2023 season. But if there's one position that Texas should absolutely reload under Steve Sarkeesian, it's quarterback and receiver because you are going to play in a pro style offense under Steve Sarkeesian. You are going to throw it. And that means receivers need to catch it. And there's a lot of opportunity. Now, I think we learned this year, you got to be a top three receiver to guarantee yourself reps in a game because there's not a whole lot of subbing or at least there wasn't and look it's understandable Xavier Worthy is top five all time A.D. Mitchell finished top five in touchdown receptions in a season and has caught a touchdown pass in five straight college football playoff games Jordan Whittington probably deserved more looks he was open just wasn't high enough in the progression um, and his farewell social media post was very touching, Jordan Whittington. Um, but I don't, I don't worry as much about what's going on at receiver. And I think Gunnar Helm will be fine at tight end. I think we saw, you know, Jonathan Brooks love the guy. Can't wait to see what he does in the league because I think he's going to be a grinder. I hope he gets with the right team, a team that values him and features him and gives him a chance to show 
all of his skills because I think Jonathan Brooks is kind of a NFL team's dream, low-key guy who's just going to grind. And, you know, we're still waiting on the official announcement from Quinn Ewers. But I, every indication I've gotten is he's going to return to Texas. So, um, you know, I think you look at you look at this. Uh, I think it was nine starts that Texas has lost to the portal, and you know, a couple of them were. Um, well, I mean, obviously, Jaron Thompson had more more starts than that, but. Um, they're, they're bringing in guys who are clearly going to have an impact and that's understandable for Jaron Thompson and Keaton Crawford to get into the portal. But, um, I think right now you got some big time good news with Alfred Collins saying he's coming back. I, Jake majors solid. Jake majors was solid this year. So having that experience at center. Did anyone watch the Alabama-Michigan game and how many snaps that center was throwing all over the place? Like, fourth and goal from the 31? Milrow wasn't ready for that snap. It goes flying by him. I mean, and that guy just committed to Ohio State? Seth McLaughlin? The Alabama center who was, his snaps were terrible. Like, if you ever are complaining about what you're seeing at Texas, go watch Alabama play Michigan. And Jalen Milrow was like a shortstop trying to field grounders back there, <laughs> trying to catch those snaps. They were awful. And that dude packed and went to Ohio State. I don't get it. But yeah, we saw with Jake Majors leaving in the Oklahoma game early in that first quarter how much he meant to the team. You know, the, they couldn't get that back. And even though it was 34-30 with OU winning, I think if Majors would have played, it could have been a different ball game. Yeah, I agree. Because first and goal from the one, they didn't get in. They didn't get in. Absolutely. So, all right, Zay. Let's let's move to the right call. <sighs> Do we have to? Good God. Before we get to the right call, let's talk about something positive, and that's Covert BK, the Covert Automotive Group, family-owned automotive dealerships that have been serving the greater Austin area for over a hundred years, and they've been just giving the customer a high-quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles, seven terrific brands to choose from, GMC, Buick, Ram, Jeep, Cadillac, Chrysler, and Dodge. You're going to find what you want at Covert B Cave. Hey, it took us up there to New Orleans and got us back safe and sound in the GMC Yukon. It was just plushed out. The rims were fired, tinted. Hey, they got all that type of stuff at Covert B Cave, and you can check it out on CovertBCave.com for all the latest specials and inventory. Nobody beats a covert deal. Not now, not ever. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, I guess it's time for the right call where I am being forced to talk Texas basketball. Um, yeah, I guess I don't even know what I saw on Saturday night, Chip. I mean, at the end What's of the day. What's going on with the front court? That's the thing. That's that's the biggest issue. 
the backcourt solid. Max A. Smith and Tyrese Hunter. You got A. Smith, you know, Hunter combined for 38 points. You want that. But Dylan Mitchell, he was solid too. Seven for 14 from the field, 16 points. But the front court, as you said, they've had problems and they had an all the types of problems against Texas Tech going against Warren Washington, who I think was the player of the game. Yes, Pop Isaacs had 21. Yes, Joe Toussaint took over the first half. But Warren uh, Washington, his presence offensively and defensively for the Red Raiders, I think that was it. And come on, SD, new coach, that's not even close to the solution. We gave Steve Sarkeesian three years to get things changed. He went five and seven in the first year, and now we're talking about Coach Terry, who took a team to the Elite Eight after he took over for Chris Beard. Let's get rid of him now. I don't think that's the answer. I think Coach Terry has to make some adjustments. The first one I would make is getting Brock Cunningham out of the start lineup. Brock, it's over. It's time. Go back to the bench, bro. Doesn't mean we're not playing you anymore, but you're on the bench, fam. Like, you're a bench player. You ignite that spark coming off the bench. We got to give Dylan DeSue more minutes. And Caden Shedrick, you can't have two-point games anymore and get dominated in the post by guys like Warren Washington. Again, Warren Washington, seven-footer, he's a solid player, but Caden Shedrick, if you're going to get worked on those basic-ass moves, the Texas doesn't have a chance to not – let alone make the tournament this year. You want to even talk about going far in the tournament. We're, we're trying to make the tournament. This is a team that has zero quad one wins. I still can't believe they're ranked right now. They're at 25 with their loss to Texas Tech. They were ranked 20th. And you got to go face a team in Cincinnati tomorrow night that just beat BYU, who was ranked 12th by devil digits in Provo. So I'm not liking this one bit. You got a stretch of four games where you got to play BYU, Oklahoma, Baylor, and Houston. You got to play Houston twice. You still got to go to Lawrence. With what I saw last night, Chip, this is an NIT team. And thank goodness our boss is Brad Kellner. He's not going to force us to watch that shit like like we had to do at the other places we were at because I don't watch NIT basketball. Some I can't do. I just – no, I can't do it. I'm not – I won't do it. I'm not going to – I love the game too much to watch that low-level quality of hoops, especially when March Madness is going on. I don't care how much I love Texas. I will not do that. So, again, Rodney Terry, you got to make some adjustments, bro. The front court right now has been trash. Zirik Oyema, where his minutes go? We're just not playing him anymore? I know he's a free-throw liability, but at least he gives you some toughness. I would have thrown him in there. Like, throw them in there and mix it up a little bit. Defensively for the Horns, they're not stopping nobody. Ain't no way a team should shoot 42% from the field and 46% from three. That's just not – that's not good. Like, you've got to play tougher than that. You've got to have more pride than that. You know what I'm saying? Like, Pop Isaacs was beating guys off the dribble. Joe Toussaint was, you know, just shooting the ball in Max Aceman's face. And, you know, Max Aceman's, again, he plays hard defensively. He tries. But his size, he is a liability defensively. Guys are going to shoot right over the top of him. Joe Toussaint did multiple times. Pop Isaac did multiple times. Pop Isaac, they made him look like uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. You know how my move I do, Raul, Chris Jackson, he used to really elevate on his jumper. Pop Isaacs does a terrific job at that with his Josh Giddy self. So I, I'm nervous. I really am because this what I'm seeing right now is an NIT team. 
You know, some of the shots Dylan Mitchell, even though he was good, some of the shots that he took, I don't like them. They'll have they'll get a steal chip. One play, Dylan DeSue gets a steal. He pushes it up to Dylan Mitchell. Dylan Mitchell's pushing the rock and he tries to make a pass for a guy cutting on the fast break. It goes right to a Texas Tech player. It was a horrible pass. We go back to the first half. Caden Shedrick has a possession where he has a dunk. He misses the dunk. Texas Tech goes back on the other end. They miss a shot. You get the ball to for a fast break. Tyrese Hunter tries to throw a lob to Dylan Mitchell. It goes smooth out of bounds. Shit like that cannot happen. You play smart basketball. Screw the lob. Screw the lob. When you're in the game, when you're battling like that, it better be a sure thing. You can't be throwing it over guys' heads. You can't be having ill-advised turnovers. You know what I'm saying? Brock Cunningham, he has to be better. Like, we all love Brock, but if Brock's just going to foul and not make any shots, Brock's worthless. Right. He can't play. He can't play 32 minutes and Dylan DeZue play 19 minutes. Doesn't make sense. I don't – We minutes restriction or not, we got to start Dylan DeSue. Brock's a spark player. The only reason why he was starting is because Dylan DeSue was hurt and Caden Shedrick was hurt, which he might be hurt again because I saw him after Pop Isaacs had that finish to kind of ice the game with around three minutes left. Caden Shedrick, he got up and he was holding his back and stuff. So I, I still don't understand the IT Horton, Kendall Weaver rotation. Both of those guys had nine minutes. Like, IT Horton had a good game against UT Arlington, and then you come in to this game, and he barely plays. So, yeah, there – it's not looking too good, man. It, it really isn't, and I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit worried about this team moving forward because they just – they don't have any identity. I mean, yes, you have Max Acemas. We know he can shoot and light it up, but I feel at times he thinks that he knows the offensive struggles that they have. So he feels like he has to force certain shots. Like he'll get these, you know, dribble handoffs in the corner and he'll just chunk it up. And it's like, bro, there's like 25 seconds on the shot clock. I get that. You love the corner shot and that's where your hot spot is. But man, as good as you are, you can take better shots at times. And sometimes guards think, okay, if I don't take this shot now, then we're going to end up giving the ball to Caden Shedrick one-on-one in the post, and he's not going to give us nothing, which he didn't. Again, Caden Shedrick and Brock Cunningham, you only get 200 minutes for your starting five in the game, so you have to figure out who those minutes are going to. 200 minutes total, you know, 40 apiece for the five that are in there. Simple math. If Caden Shedrick and Brock Cunningham are going to combine for 60 and only give you two points, you're an NIT team. You're a you're an NIT team. And you like Zirico Yema, I throw him in there to see what he could do. You need some toughness or something, but Caden Shedrick and Brock Cunningham, they cannot play the way they did. You've got to find Dylan DeSue somewhere to put him and get him going a little bit more. Because he still had nine points on 19 minutes. I like that ratio. That's not bad. You know, he just has to get more reps. And again, I don't know if he's on a minutes restriction or not. The dude did miss eight months. That's a lot. But I I don't know how this team is ranked. I really don't. The fact that they're ranked 25th, like tomorrow night going into Cincinnati, that's going to be like they better bring it. Because what I saw with Cincinnati and Provo, how they made a solid BYU team look that's been really good all year long up to this point and beat them by double digits. Yeah, that, it could be a problem tomorrow, and you could easily go 0-2 in the Big 12. But, yeah, Coach Terry, they just uh, – bad turnovers, 
you know, not getting the ball in the right spot or not making the easy points. They got to win their one-on-one matchups in the post to Sue, uh, Shedrick, and Dylan Mitchell. They can't get beat in the post either. Again, Warren Washington, he was the player of the game for me for Texas Tech. It's so easy for Pop Isaacs to get that call. I understand that. But Warren Robinson, seven foot, man, he was blocking dunks. Texas had multiple dunk attempts that he blocked. It's like, damn. Then they would just, if Texas would, okay, I'm losing my shit here. Chip, it doesn't make any sense to put a very good defender on a player if you're going to switch everything. That doesn't make any sense. Coach Terry, I love you, your family. You and my pops have known each other for over 40 years. That don't make no sense. That don't make no sense. They put Dylan Mitchell on Joe Toussaint to start the game. And Fran Versilla was like, oh, yeah, this is a good this is a good matchup. This is a good change by Coach Terry. And then the first time Joe Toussaint comes off a screen, Dylan Mitchell switches his man. And I'm over here like, what are we doing? And then all of a sudden, Texas Tech, which their coach did a good job. Shout out to Grant McCaslin. He did a good job with just taking advantage of matchups. They would get Pop Isaacs on guys like Brock Cunningham, and he'd blow by them, and then you would have to help. They'd hit the big man, and they'd get layups, or Texas would foul. And I will always say in college basketball, till I six feet under, if a team makes more free throws than you shoot, this doesn't matter on the NBA. There's way more possessions. In college basketball, it matters. If a team makes more free throws than you shoot, you probably ain't going to win that game. Probably ain't going to win. Texas Tech made 15. Texas only took 14. That's a problem. That's a problem. So they better look in the mirror, man, because this could get dark really fast. And, I again, the Texas team that you and I, Chip, we kind of had our question marks on going back to the orange and white game. Where would the points go? We see there's talent there, but can it all come together with all the injuries and stuff and guys coming back? No identity. Again, it could get really dark for this team. I hope they look in the mirror and they can overcome it. I think they can, but the Big 12 ain't going to get any easier. Yeah, that. I mean, well said. I mean, it, there were times during that Texas-Texas Tech basketball game I felt like I was watching a Shaka Smart coached team at Texas because guys were just – there was no intensity. There was no – there was no intensity to the defense. And I mean, Rodney Terry grew up with Rick Barnes and Rick Barnes demanded defense. If you didn't play defense, you weren't going to be on the floor. And I get you're trying to meld a bunch of newcomers together, but we felt like coming in and maybe they're, I got to find out what's going on with, on Yemma because there's no excuse for him not to get any minutes in that game. He must be hurt or something, but he's not going to give you much offensively, but he's going to play hard. He's going to be athletic out there. You know, I remember when all we heard about Caden Shedrick leaving Virginia was he didn't get the opportunity to be the offensive player that he thought he was going to be. Tony Bennett is a national championship coach. Like he's won at the highest level. So I think he knows if you're good enough to get the ball and do something with it. And if you are, he's going to give you opportunities to do so. He's no dummy. I don't care what kind of pace they ran. 
Caden Shedrick doesn't have any bag to his game. I am finding that out. Yes, you could do well against these G5 teams, you know, if some of the bigs might be six foot seven and stuff. But when you play against somebody like a Warren Washington that's been at four different stops, is over like 23 years old and is around seven foot, like teams are just going to start trapping Tyrese Hunter and Max Aismas off every screen from now on. I would. I would live with Dylan Mitchell scoring and attacking. I would live with Brock Cunningham and Caden Shedrick doing the same thing. Hell, even Dylan DeSue at this point, because Dylan DeSue isn't 100% there yet. He still makes some mistakes where you're like, okay, this still this dude's still working the kinks out. But, yeah, that's what Tech started doing. Every time Max Aismas and Tyrese Hunter started coming off screens or those dribble loops and dribble drives that Coach Terry likes to run, they started getting double teamed and started getting more intense pressure to where – they couldn't have those looks to score like they want that they were doing at certain points of the game. So who else is going to step up? And nobody did. That could be very problematic for the Horns moving forward. And yeah, I it's tough. And that's why I like Max Aismas. That's why he feels the need to shoot some bad shots at times because he knows that. He knows, like, damn, if we give the ball in the post to Shedrick and he's one on one, nobody's helping. Everybody's like, oh, we'll live. We like our chances against the big man. And if he scores, okay, we'll live. At least we got the ball out of Hunter and Aismas' hands. Teams are going to start adjusting to that. And, again, you have no quad one wins on the schedule right now. This was one of the weaker schedules in the nation. The only good teams you played, you lost to. And now you just lost to Texas Tech. You're 11-3. and three. Again, I don't know how you're ranked. You're nowhere near any of the good stats on Ken Palm. So, again, this team right now, it screams NIT. And that's very unfortunate because the talent is way better than that. Well, the there's time. There's time to get it together. But, you know, I get it. Dazoo's only been back with the team for about four or five games. But you gotta you got to see – that defensive intensity increasing. And that's what I didn't see in that game. They looked like they were holding on for dear life and waiting for the end. And that, that can't be, that can't be it because you did have, you know, Tyrese Hunter shooting 50% Ace Smith shooting 50% four of seven from three Dylan Mitchell shooting 50%. Um, but Caden Shedrick, one of seven from like you're right. He struggled against the big man from Marquette too. And, and that's, that's, that's a concern because he's got to be able to draw defensive attention and then find the open man. And they're not in sync. They're not connected yet. So, and then, you know, I talked about Kendall Weaver. Here's a guy who gives you max effort. Every time he's on the floor, he got nine minutes. He airballed the three, and that was it. Yeah, he had a, he had a wide open three. He airballed it badly. It was a brutal shot, and that was it. <laughs> that that was it. Like I I don't know. Like I mean, I let sometimes you gotta let guys play through mistakes. But again, it's kind of like what we talk about with Sark and the wide receivers. Like, are you gonna take Aismas and Hunter out when they're the only ones producing? You know, to put these other guys in, do you go right. small? 
You right. know, because Tech was bigger than them. Like For sure. Joe, Joe Toussaint, that dude's built like prime Priest Holmes. While you got Max Acemis, who's built like Cat Williams. No diss to Max Acemis, but he's a little light in the ass. He could hoop. He's an assassin. But the dude's like 5'10", a buck 65 around there, it seems like. Like, he is very small. And every team knows that going in. Like, whoever has Acemis on them, that's what the scout report is, Chip. If you have Acemis guarding you, attack him. Attack him. If Texas wants to do all this switching and stuff, which NBA, you switch. College, you switch at times. You don't want to switch all the time because, you know, you don't have enough guys that are around the same position. If Texas had a lot of 6'6 to 6'9 guys that are all versatile and stuff like that, then you switch. But there's just too many mismatches out there that Texas got caught in and – Again, you got to salute Texas Tech. They exposed them, you know. Like there was a play early in the first half. Joe Tucson, he had the ball on uh, he had the ball on the short corner, and he's doing all these pivots and stuff. And Kendall Weaver and Dylan DeSue, they're right there for a double team. Both of those guys just leave. And Joe Tucson's looking around, he's like, oh, I have a layup. And they just give up a layup. Then there's another play that everybody's diving on the floor and Texas Tech, they get on the floor and they got the ball and everybody's like fake hustling. And then the dude on the floor goes Magic Johnson and drops a dime and gets an assist for a layup. Like shit like that can't happen. It fake can't hustling. happen. Like, yeah, That's fake a- hustling. Why, how, why isn't nobody grabbing the ball? How can somebody be by the goal, be on the ground with the basketball, nobody get a jump ball or anything, and that guy with the ball is able to drop a dime and get an assist for a cutting layup off of it. How does that ever happen? There's just dumb stuff that you're seeing from this Texas basketball team and the turnovers that I threw out earlier. Again, this team screams NIT, and I love Coach Terry. He is family, but there, there has to be some changes made. There has to be because if right. you keep playing like this and you don't find an identity and your big man can't do anything offensively and you're continuing the switch and your guards are getting beat off the dribble and you're having to overhelp, again, this team's going to be NIT eligible. And I'm not well, watching that. I'm not watching NIT, Trey. Damn that. I'm not watching that. Nope. I'll, yeah, BK is going to have to give me a bonus or something if I'm watching the Texas NIT team because I'm not doing it. Rule well, on. and I want to I want to give a quick shout-out to Paul, who I bumped into at Randall's over the weekend, who said he listens to us on Texas Sports Unfiltered every day, and when he misses an episode, he is on the podcast. So, Paul, in front of Randall's, appreciate you, brother. Thanks, Happy Paul. New Year. Um, yeah. Rodney Terry's got some uh he's got some work to do. Yeah. Zay, as far as your NIT point goes, rule number one of New Orleans is you have to assume everybody is drunk. Rule number one of the NIT is you don't watch the NIT because fuck that. <laughs> I mean, we had to watch it a few years ago because of our other job. That was tough times, man. That was one of the darkest times of this business for me. It's the uh, the the closest to going full Aggie that Texas, a Texas program, has ever gone by announcing themselves as national champs after they won the NIT. 
That was a bad one. Completely word. embarrassing, and it's something that needs to continue to be brought up to the end of time to make sure we don't pull some stupid shit like that again. God. The highlight of the Shaka Smart era. Jeez. Yeah, it was one of the high. I mean, it was one of the biggest highlights. You're right about that. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Well, I. I thought we'd be further along at this point. And I sure as hell thought the front court would be more connected and looking like it was going to be rim protection. Not yet. Shedrick looked like he really hurt his back near the end of that game too. I don't know what his status is. He was moving like I have throughout the course of 2023 and early 2024. And that's with like a bad hip and back. I hope everything's okay with him because if he's out, then things become even more dire because he has been one of the bright spots in a front court that is not, well, I guess it has lived up to expectations because we didn't have much expectations, but it just hasn't been very good. That was an area of focus for this coaching staff in the off season. And things are not as good as they need to be for Texas to make any noise come March. Yeah. Him getting hurt. Definitely unfortunate. I think that, I don't know. It was always suspicious to me because you come from Virginia, you know, and Tony Bennett's no dummy. So his whole thing was he wanted to be more of a focal point offensively. And it's like, dude, Tony Bennett's won a national championship. If you're a good offensive player, you're going to get the ball. It's not like he's just saying, okay, I don't like you, Caden Shedrick. I'm not going to give you the pill and, you know, whatever. We'll lose these games to Duke and North Carolina. I don't give a damn. No, Tony Bennett's no dummy. He's a national champion coach. So, Caden Shedrick coming here, like, are you capable of being that offensive player? Because one for seven with easy looks, like, these are just jump hooks in the middle of the lane. Like, this should be textbook. This should be money every time. That's what you want. Like, every big man wants one-on-one matchups. Like, as Joel Embiid never gets one-on-one matchups. Nikola Jokic never gets one-on-one matchups. In the post? Are you kidding me? And if they do, that's because they have just excellent shooting around them. But Texas, knowing that Hunter and Max Aismas have been playing so well, those guys are going to help off them. So they're going to live with Shedrick shooting that jump hook or doing whatever he's doing. And if he's not connecting – I it's it's gonna be tough, man. Because I look around the Big Twelve, that Cincinnati beating uh, BYU on Saturday, and Texas has Cincinnati tomorrow. The Big Twelve is brutal. Like Texas might be one of the worst teams in the Big Twelve if they keep this up. I'm Doomsday! You, I'm telling you, you got Doomsday. you got you of age twice. If we had to make a bracket today, I'm picking Kelvin Sampson's team to win it all. L.J. Cryer and Jamal Shedd are ridiculous. Did I say that BYU is like a top 15 team right now, too? That's what I'm saying. BYU's top 15. You got Baylor. They're going to be tough. Kansas, which Kansas got one of the most bogus calls I've ever seen in my life this past Saturday against TCU. That's a damn shame. I get Fog Allen Fieldhouse. They get a lot of calls there, but that was one of the worst flagrant foul calls I've ever seen in my life that completely changed the game and gave Kansas the upper hand. But still, you got to deal with that. Like, that's what I'm saying. This schedule doesn't favor Texas at all. Mm. So, all right, Chip, I'm with Trey for the next 23 minutes. You could go, man. 
appreciate you. Uh, go Lions. Congrats. Love y'all. Love you too, man.